Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless Amen. you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is such a precious time. And I thank you for sharing in it with me. You know, again, it's so special to be able to do it together. You know, the virtual kept us connected, but to be able to do it together as a family, I'm all for that. Okay, we're gonna get going in the word, guys. And so I wanna tell you the name of the title that I entitled it. Um, it's called, Is Your Life a Reflection of His Story? Is Your Life a Reflection of His Story? And I'm not saying the story as in once upon a time. I'm saying a story as in the different events and the accounts that happened in his life. The things that led up to the cross and where we are now that he has ascended. That story. We want to be a reflection of that because, you know, there was a lot of people at the cross. They said there were different groups. You had the uh, uh, Pharisees who all they could do was just say, save yourself. You say, you say who you are, save yourself. And then you had the soldiers who was just gambling. Then you had the people who were there that was a part of the city. They came to observe. And then you had the people who walked with him and saw the miracles and heard him tell the parables. You had those people. But we're not part of that group. We're a part of the group that reflects who he is. We're the part of the group that says we accept you as our Lord and personal Savior, and the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of us, but we want to reflect who he is. That's who we are. We be them people. Amen? We are believers. Okay? We, we are Christians. We are supposed to be Christ-like, but everyone who claims to be a Christian is not a believer. So we are believers. We believe what he did. We believe the Bible. We believe it. So let's, let's go. I got a lot of scriptures for you, and that's okay. We're going to roll through them. Um, one of the ways we reflect him is to seek his guidance. We want to seek his guidance. Let's go to 1 Timothy. We're going to be in the New Living Translation a lot. So you can just kind of stay in that translation. I'll let you know when we need to flip over. But 1 Timothy chapter 4. Before we get started, I want to do our Bible confession. We're going to put that on the screen. And I can't see it. Amen. Our Bible confession. You ready? Here we go. This is my Bible. Hold it up. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God. And shall ever be, forever be to me, my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thanks, baby. Okay. 
First Timothy chapter four. I'm working with two devices, guys. I didn't know how to do it, so I'm gonna read from my phone and I got my notes on my iPad. <laughs> it's gonna be all right. I still got the word. <laughs> all right, we're gonna start at verse seven and we're gonna read seven and eight. Here we go. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Did you know that we have to train to be godly? That's what the Bible say. I didn't say it. We have to train to be godly. So in our training, let's see what that's going to take. Let's look at Isaiah 66 in verse 2. One of the things it takes to train ourselves to be godly is, is humility, to be humble. And you know how when, you, when you're training your natural body, um, you know, sometimes you just want to tone and then sometimes you want muscle. But whatever you do in the exercise, you're building strength and endurance. And that's the same thing in the spirit realm. What we're doing as we train ourselves to be godly will give us strength and endurance. So Isaiah 66, verse 2, it says, My hands have made both heaven and earth. They are everything in them. Wait. My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. Amen? Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 6. And it says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, there's many more scriptures concerning humility. And you can add that to your training at any time. I can't go over all of them. I'm just going over the ones that God gave me to give you. Amen. And as we continue our training, it's important that we pray. So let's look at Philippians 4. Philippians 4, and we're going to look at verse 6 and 7. And it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right. We're going on. As we train to be godly, we need to read the word. Let's look at Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 8 and verse 9. 
still in the New Living Translation. It says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's good news, guys. Okay, we're going to continue with that. Let's look at Luke. I told you it was a lot of scripture, but I'm going somewhere. You can't argue with scripture. You can try, but you won't get nowhere. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. And it says, Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Amen. That means you got to do it. You got to do what it says. That's a part of our training. Another thing that's a part of our training is we need to repent. Repentance. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. And we're going to look at verses 30 and 31. And it says, Therefore I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you. And, yourself, and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? Amen? Amen. And one of the last things that I put in our training was obedience. Let's look at James 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 22 to 25. And it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We have to do the word. Now, these are just some things or, that God gave me to be part of the training. But just like in the natural, when you have a personal trainer, there's things that that personal trainer will tell you to do. But then you kind of do some stuff on your own, too. That's the same thing with the godly training. These are some things. But then as you study the word, as you pray, he'll give you some other things to put in your training. Remember, the training is there to give you endurance. The training is there to give you strength. Amen? So we're going back to being a reflection um, of him, a reflection of Jesus. Now, another way that we are a reflection is we have to aspire to be God's agent of change. We have to aspire, not inspire, aspire. 
when we aspire, we have hope. We have a purpose. We have a goal. And so we know what those things are because God will give us a vision. He will tell us our purpose. He will lead us to our purpose as we pray. But I want to flip that for a minute because there is something that we need to get rid of that um, doesn't reflect him. And I want to talk a little bit about discontent. There's a lot of believers who are discontent. They're not happy for whatever reason. You know, um, something's bothering them. Someone's bothered them. They feel as though they've missed something. And discontent will cause you to be critical. It will cause you to complain. It will cause you to murmur. Now, I'm not telling you something that I read. I got the receipt on it. Okay? All right. So let's just go there. Let's look at Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1, verse 14 through 19. Jude chapter 1, verse 14 through 19. And it says, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for, the, for all the insults the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Let's go back to that. He said he will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done. He didn't, he, he didn't say those were for the sinners. That's everybody. That's the believers, and um, that's why you got to repent. Okay? I'm just saying. And for the insults that the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, live only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves, and they flatter others to get what they want. And that's not all the discontent, but what stood out to me was the flattery. And flattery is a compliment that went wrong. Flattery has motives. Flattery, um, well, let me say it like this. You ever, you ever seen or heard someone that, um, and I, people do it with their kids. They say, go, go be nice to daddy, and he'll give you what you want. Go be nice to mommy, and she'll give you what you want. You tell your a coworker, go be nice to the boss. The coworker wants a raise. Go be nice. Be nice to him. You know, you're flattering them. That's selfish, because honestly, just ask for what you want. If and, and accept what the answer is. Just ask for it. You know, we can't be selfish with it, um, because you ask, and or you see. Just ask God. Okay. Let's use the scenario of the job. God, I need a raise. How, how do I go to my, my supervisor when they say there is no more raises? How can I go to him? How do, can I go to her? But I'm not going to use flattery to do it because it's fake. And if we're going to reflect him, we can't be fake. There, no faking. Just say what you say. Let your yay be yay and your nay be yay and accept the answer because God can change the circumstances. Right? Okay, I just had to say that. And then, so, I put something else on. Let's make sure um, that we're not flattering God when we pray. Yes. 
because we want something from him too. You know, we always want something. Whatever it is. It's a car. It's a husband. It's a child. It's more money on our job. When you go to him, don't flatter him. You know, you think of all the, the good things about him and then say, you know what, God, this is what I need. That's not what we do. That's not how we, did you think Jesus did that? No, he didn't. That's not flattering. Oh, God, it's quiet. It's okay, though. Uh, <laughs> we know that, again, um, when we compare or when we are discontent, we compare. And that's another thing that um, we've we got to stop doing as believers. Um, we've got to stop comparing. But because of society, we see things that we desire and we see things that we want. We even see things that we may want to be a part of. But we all, always got to remember that we have to seek his guidance. Remember the training? We got to seek his guidance and, and let him tell us what we need to do. Okay? Because at the end of the day, what we always have to remember, and that's what I had to learn, at the end of the day, Alpha and Omega is still activating, yeah. right? He is still doing what he does. The blueprint is already done for my life. All I have to do is walk it out. If I have questions, that's who I go to. If I want something that I see that I want, I'm going to still have to consult him. I'm going to still have to seek his guidance, right? I can't get it on my own because if I get it on my own, I may not be able to keep it. Or if I get it on my own, it may not be good for me because of the way I went about doing it. You understand what I'm saying? So when we compare, and that's what I had to learn, when we compare, you take one or two postures, guys. You either take a superior posture, which means you're, you're, acting, you're, you're walking in pride, or you take an inferior posture, which means that you have no self-confidence. Either one of those does not reflect God. He doesn't want us walking in pride, and he wants us to know who we are when we walk. He wants us to always know who we are, who we represent, but we can't do that if we're sulking, you know, and, and self, we just, our, our self-confidence is just very low. So we have to make sure and be content and not discontent. Amen? Let's look at Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 12 and 13. And we know this one. This is Paul. And he's saying, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do, you know that version. I can do, wait, we can go ahead and say it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But this one says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So we don't have to walk that way. We don't have to be discontent. You see, we need to be content because it's only a season. And that's what I had to learn. It's only a season. And I heard Pastor Brian say something. He says, it's a season, not a sentence. See, we confuse that. We think that when we're going through something, that's going to be the rest of our lives. But that's not the rest of our lives. It's only a season. And like Deuteronomy says, there's different seasons, right? But we got to remember it's a season and not, to, not a sentence. But Satan would have us to think we're never going to get out of it. Nothing's ever going to change. 
Nothing's ever going to change, but it will because it's just a season. Amen? All right, I told y'all. Okay, another way that we reflect who he is, if I run out of time, let me know, um, is we have to model the way for others. We have to model the way for others. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. And this one, guys, is going to be in the easy reader version. Colossians, Colossians <laughs> chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Come on, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 17 is what we're going to read. We want to model the way for others. And it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderness, ten, with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, there's that humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. That's a big one too. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive the Lord forgave you, you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from God rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let this message about Christ in all its riches fill, fill your lives Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with a thankful heart, with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's telling us how we represent Christ. We have to model, we have to model the way for others. So when I was reading this, the thing that stood out to me was the word kindness. So I want to talk to you about kindness. And, um, you know, there's a difference between being nice and being kind. And people think that they're interchangeable, but they're not inter interchangeable. They're not. You see, being nice does not ask that much of us. It's only doing the safe thing. It's being polite. You're being positive. You hold the door for somebody when you see them coming. That's being nice. It doesn't, it doesn't cost you anything. Being kind costs you something. It does. It costs you time. I'll explain it. We can be nice by merely tolerating someone with a, sm a fake smile. We can be nice and still be critical and make a judgment about the person as we interact with them. You know, I like jobs. That's the perfect place. You know, you stayed late to help someone else, but they left early. And so they come in, you tired, because you work late. They're fine. You come in, they say good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'm fine, how you doing? Because you know that you should have stayed and did that project. I was helping you. Judgment, right? That's nice. That's nice. I think they call it nice nasty. That's nice. That's nice, right? <laughs> we, 
we can be nice. Oh, I already said it. We can be nice. However, kindness asks much more of us. Kindness is without judgment. It's a, genu a genuine care about the person's needs, and it wants to make a connection. It leads to love, but it's not there yet. You understand what I'm saying? So let me give you an example. I had a friend who was in Walmart, and she was getting ready to check out, and an elderly lady was trying to check out as well, and she fell. Now, Nice would have said, ma'am, are you okay? I'll call somebody to make sure that they come see about you. I just wanted to make sure you was okay. That's nice, right? But that's not what my friend did, and that's why it stood out to me. The lady fell. She told her not to move. She called for the manager. She called the ambulance, and she asked the lady, can I call a family member? Do you have a family member that I could call to come to you? The lady said her husband. The lady's still on the floor. She stood with the lady. She called the lady's husband, and she did not leave her until he got there. That's kindness. It cost her something. It cost her her time because she could have been doing something else. She could have been on her way to do something else. But kindness is going to cost you. Being nice, it's only for a moment. So the next time someone tells you you're being nice, okay. But listen, nice has its place. But kindness extends grace. Okay? All right. So we have to model. We have to model for others. And kindness is one of the ways that we do that. Because if you think about it, guys, our, excuse me, family, used to talking to other people. If you think about it, um, our lives should be transparent. Because, and I don't mean transparent where everybody knows your business. I'm saying transparent to the point where people can see God working in your life. People can see how you've invited God in your life. People can see that relationship that you have, right? Transparent. We have to model the way. That's what we do as believers. That's what we do. That's who we are. We were bought with a price. A debt was paid for us. Somebody modeled it for us. Someone is still modeling it for us, right? But we're modeling it for someone else because, you know, people are looking at you, regardless of whether you want them to or not. And they're seeing what you come out of that. All right, let's keep going. Another way that we can be a reflection. I'm all right for time. Okay. Another way we can be a reflection. Um, of who he is, is to be encouraging and engaging, right? So let's look at Proverbs 12, 25, and we're going to look at that in the Passion Translation. Proverbs 12, in the Passion Translation. And it says, anxious fear brings depression. But a life-given word of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy to the heart. Anxious fear brings depression. But a life-giving word of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy to the heart. Let's look at Colossians 2. We're almost done, guys. Hang in there with me. Colossians 2, 
We're going back to the New Living Translation. And we're going to read one through four. We're just reading what the word says about these things. You know, when I was teaching the youth the other Sunday, I, we were talking about translations in the Bible. And I was telling them that you have to find the one that speaks to your heart yes. you know, when you're studying. You find the one that speaks to your the one that makes the word of God clear. So what we did was we took a verse and I gave each one of them a different translation. We got to pull out our cell phones. They got to use them, right, Miss Sarah? They got to use them. And we did the verse in the different translations. And you should see their faces as we went around the room and they read the same verse because it became clear. Everything ain't King James, right? So we have different, different translations that help us understand. And it helps our walk. It helps our relationship because then we, we make that connection even tighter, right? All right, so this, that's why this one's in the Passion. <laughs> nope, I'm wrong. This one is in the New Living Translation. And it says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church of Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plans, which is Christ himself. In him <clears throat> lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. Now, this is Paul writing to a church. He is providing encouragement, right? He said it. I'm writing to encourage you. But we cannot be so stern in our encouragement. Do you know that we don't have to be in front of somebody to encourage them? We don't have to be there. We don't have to be face-to-face. -face. We can simply call. We can send a text. We do that a lot. An email if you have to. But you don't have to be face-to-face -face in order to encourage someone. You think about it. Um, have you ever thought, let's say you have a friend that's going through something, and you, know, you have compassion, but maybe not empathy because you haven't gone through it. But then you know someone who's walked through it and are on the other side of it and they have a testimony, pray and ask God if you can hook them up because that's a form of encouragement. Encouragement doesn't always have to come directly from us. We can always ask God, this person has gone through this, has walked it. I know that there's scriptures that this person has that they've stood on that can strengthen my friend here. And if he gives you permission to do so, hook them up. Hook them up. We want to be encouragement, but, but encouragement doesn't last or it doesn't look one way. There are several ways that we can provide encouragement, but we have to be open to the different ways. Amen? Amen. Okay. And lastly, um, the thing that it is a reflection of Christ, but it's, it's not the least, it's love. And there are several scriptures on love and you got 
pictures. I forgot to bring it. Um, no, it's it's my backpack. Um, Let's turn to, uh, we all know 1 Corinthians 13. We all know that. Let's look at John 13 in the New Living Translation. And let's look at uh, verse 33 to 35. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So love, I mean, I commercial love is is great it's the greatest thing and then God gave me an example of and I hope I can do it right a battery and uh, with the battery if you take it out it doesn't work right um, but if you put it in Whatever it is, it does work, right? Love is a, oh, how did you give it to me, God? Love, hold on, guys, because you got this good. Um, I'll come back to it. It's, it's, it's good. And I didn't write it down because it was good because I thought I remember it. <laughs> but it's good. Amen. But that's it, guys. That is how our life is a reflection of his story. And just kind of take those things. Remember that, you know, that you, we want to seek God's guidance. And remember how we do that. Remember that um, we are a reflection of him. And... Um, and just aspire to be an agent of change. And I've gone through different things. It's not your typical Easter message, but it's okay because it's the one that God told me to tell you. So it's got to be okay. It's a different way of looking at our walk. It's a different way of embracing all that God um, has for us and just don't want us to get, don't want us to slip up. Don't want us to slip up, especially, especially when it um, came to being discontent. Because, you know, um, you know how you can recognize something because you've gone through it. And a lot of times I hear people and I'm like, they're discontent. They're discontent. They're discontent. I can recognize it because that's what I was. I was discontent. You know, and you know, when you're discontent, you don't hear it kind of, you don't hear. Because, you know, uh, Satan is, he doesn't come at you, you know, right at you. There's different things. 
different ways. And all he wants to do is just get you off track. He just needs you off track. He don't need to. He just needs to get you off track. Because if you're, if you're supposed to be going this way and you get you off track, you're not no longer going that way. But it's still, I'm right next to it. But it's not the way I'm supposed to be going. And then that's when we get, you know, discontent. So, amen. amen. Did you get anything out of the word? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let us pray. Father God, we are so thankful and we're so grateful for everything that, um, that you have done for us. I thank you, Father God, that today we have the opportunity to celebrate Jesus. I thank you that we have the opportunity to um, look at his life, Lord God, and everything that it represents. Because everything that his life represents gives us life. So we are grateful and we are thankful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.